My name is Andrew Levine. I'm the head of communications for Steemit. And this is the first video in our series about decentralized entrepreneurship and marketing. I interview Mabod Magdan, one of the co-founders of rapgenius.com, now genius.com and Everypedia, a Wikipedia competitor powered by blockchain technology. We had a great conversation about his experiences starting up a company in a pre-blockchain world and a post-blockchain world. So I think there's a lot of great information for engineers, entrepreneurs, marketers, really anyone who's trying to figure out their place in a world that is being disrupted at an ever-increasing rate by these decentralized technologies. So I hope you enjoy the interview. I had a great time interviewing Mabode. The volunteering side of the genius community always irked me. And right from the get-go, as soon as we started getting users who like, you know, weren't our college friends, uh, Tom, Tom, our CEO, told me that I'm forbidden from offering any kind of money rewards. He said that even offering money rewards, and at some point it got ridiculous because some of these guys were working really, really hard and they didn't need that much. I guess uh, Tom's philosophy was based on like, give them an inch, they'll take a mile. But these people didn't, like a lot of the users didn't want a job. They basically just wanted the, the IQ to be equivalent to something. So I actually tried to launch something in 2012 called Cash Genius. It was called Rap Genius, but I tried to launch a Cash Genius program. So I tried to convert IQ to money. And I actually got into big, big trouble. Some people in the community said that they were feeling discriminated because they're not part of Cash Genius. So it was a huge disaster. But for me, it was a perfect example of how the volunteer internet always made me feel comfortable. I was one of the first power users of Facebook. I was the 50,000th registered user of Facebook. And I was one of the first people who started posting on it every single day. And right off the bat, I started to thinking to myself, I'm, I'm doing great work for free. You know, and I, I even tried to be Mark Zuckerberg's friend and he wouldn't even be my friend, even though I helped him start his site. So, with the crypto and with Everpedia, you're, you're working for us and you're increasing your IQ, you're owning your own content. And also it's a cool family, like, you know, bringing the, the, the decentralization also helps to build community in just the traditional way of, of everyone feels closer and more connected. Whereas like with me, when the internet first started, I was all into it, but I kind of felt uh, alienated. I felt like I'm the odd person out for being so excited about it. Steam, Steam, it wouldn't really be anything without the people who every day are in there curating content, leaving comments. It's really about the validation, right? It's my time. What I add is valuable to this ecosystem. Yeah. The, the way I like to think of it is also that you own what you create. So it's not like you're getting paid a wage or anything like that, but you're basically owning the value of what you create. That's what the blockchain is to do. One of the reasons why I was kind of excited to talk to why I was excited to talk to you is that I feel like you really get how to build interest and excitement about your project. We've got a lot of developers who are becoming entrepreneurs on Steam, who are building Steam apps that are growing really fast, but they're not entrepreneurs and they're not marketers. Is there any help you can give to developers on any blockchain out there who are building a great app, but who don't have the experiences you do of being through a company that's, you know, how, how big was, was genius when you started there and how big did it get? And what did you learn from your experience there? Yeah. Well, so talking to technical, so usually I'm giving the talk of uh, someone who's not technical being like, Hey, I've got this killer idea. I gotta be like, no, buddy, that's not how it works. Like an engineer needs to build the idea. So obviously the technical person is more important, but uh, it's, it's less, uh, less frequent that I'm giving the advice to technical people. And it kind of goes both ways. Like if you are a genius developer, you need to find someone like me and co-founder with them and have them pump your product. So thinking that you can be a solo founder or you can do it all yourself, is just as wrong-headed as the non-technical people who think that they can hire someone to build the product. Uh, so that's the first thing. And then the second thing, this is really, really hard to get engineers to do, but you need someone to do it. 
you need someone using your own product. In Y Combinator and like so many of the professional, like, you know, business school startup people, uh, they think that it's got to be scalable. So like if I'm just doing all the work myself, like if I'm making all the Everpedia pages myself, then it's not scalable. So I have to go read TechCrunch and do manager stuff. Uh, and I don't think that's how it works. Like scalability is a myth. Uh, Wikipedia is not scalable. Wikipedia only has like 5,000 editors and it's pretty much the biggest site on the internet. So like you don't need to scale that much. What you need is a huge, huge dedicated uh, psycho cult community. And how are you going to build that unless you're part of it? So I think it's very, very important to dog food, you know, 100% of the time be using your own product. I'm very proud. I've, I've left Genius. I haven't been editing Genius for five years now. And I still think that I have one of the top 10 uh, IQ scores in the history of the site. And I'm up there on Everpedia too. I'm, I'm probably top five on, on Everpedia. So. That's impressive. And I think I, I couldn't agree more with, with the point that you made. It comes back to the team getting people who can fill the gaps that engineers can't. If you're an engineer, that's great. You can save on those costs, but you need somebody out there who's gonna get people excited about your product and who understands what your users actually want from your product. I actually, it's funny you mentioned dog fooding. I just wrote an article about that like two weeks ago. I have a very textured relationship with the word dog fooding because yeah. I believe in doing it, but I don't even think there should be a phrase for it. Like dog fooding should just be living. That should be your life. And it's, it's disturbing, I guess, because for the engineer, building the product is so nerve wracking that it's hard to just sit back and, and use it as a casual user. And it's, it's rare, but uh, one thing that's interesting is that Everpedia, our CTO actually started uh, the most popular page in the site's history, and that is the page of Cardi B. You also mentioned scaling, which I thought was super interesting because I actually totally agree with you that the way that people talk about scaling is never seems quite right to me. I mean, I was coming at it from a different angle. I think you're exactly right that, you know, like Steemit.com became, in, in a year, became a top 1,000 ranked site on Alexa with a very, very small user base who was just pumping out content because crypto was booming and they were really excited about it. There's the other side of scaling, uh, which I've been hearing a lot about lately, and I know I see it from our perspective, like the things we've gotten the most value from are the things that were difficult to scale. Like every, a lot of people in the space are focusing on transaction throughput. It's like we have a super active blockchain, and we're not even close to maxing out our transaction throughput, but our node cost was getting super high. And so we actually had to put a lot of resources into making sure that if you're going to fire up a node, it's not going to cost you a fortune. And like, that's not part of the scaling conversation, but we actually believe that it's going to wind up being hugely important, not because millions of people are going to run nodes, but like you said, it's, it's about these small number of people who provide critical roles within the ecosystem. It's not about billions and billions of people. It's about these core groups of people. I, I, I don't know. I may be forcing things together that don't belong, but there seems no, like some no, overlap. It's very interesting. So I, um, I'm always debating in my head of uh, who's more important, the like marketing faker guy like me or the engineers. And nor obviously normally- the marketing I, guy, man. No, <laughs> I think the engineers are more important just because they're, they they're fewer and they have to do a lot harder work um, but the, on the flip side, if I can play devil's advocate, uh, what the engineers are building to some extent always becomes fungible. Only community actually matters. For example, if Google buys Steemit, they'll figure out the node thing. They'll throw hundreds of engineers at it and they'll figure out any technical difficulties. What matters is that you have, uh, you know, it's not huge, but you have like this substantial psycho community. Like I'm saying, it's like, insane religious cult community of Steemit. And that's what's valuable on the internet. That's the whole thing. Anything else, the engineering stuff, uh, you can always catch up. 
Uh, that's why, like, you know, I'm, I'm uh, part of uh, the EOS family. And the, the EOS was built because they thought that uh, Bitcoin, the software, is not going to be able to catch up. But then when I see stuff like uh, Twitter uh, flirting with decentralizing on Bitcoin, it kind of turns me into a Bitcoin maximalist again. Because I don't really know how the technology works, but I can't imagine that we can't just fix fix Bitcoin and like just make it like EOS. It's all it's all zeros and ones anyways, right? So, Well, we kind of view ourselves, and I am a big believer in Bitcoin, but the way we, I, I think our, time, our team kind of looks at ourselves is much more in the vein of Bitcoin because the whole idea behind Bitcoin was there's all kinds of things you can do with a decentralized ledger and smart contracts weren't really a thing. The idea was you can store all kinds of stuff on this ledger and then it, it's there for everybody to validate. And what we did with Steam was we said, well, what if we integrate delegated proof of stake and, and make it a freemium blockchain, not allow smart contracts so that there's only this fixed level of computation. We can have free transactions. And now you've basically got that open and decentralized ledger that anybody can use, except it's way faster and way lower cost than Bitcoin. So I, I totally agree with you. And I feel like we're really striving to do that through a different route than, than most people. I think there's gonna be a place to play for, for everybody, but we're very much not about smart contracts. We're just about this decentralized ledger. But there, there were a couple of things you said that I really wanted to, to get back to. The, the first is that, especially in, a tech company of absolutely the engineers are the most important people. I was just talking to our head of engineering today and I just had to reassure him I'm in, in this type of organization, I'm here to support you. This doesn't work without the engineers. Um, but the other great point that you made is that without the community, the engineers aren't making anything that matters <laughs> without users to use the product. Um, it, you're, you're just spinning wheels. And so I view my role within this ecosystem is trying to connect the community with the engineers and making sure that the engineers are solving the problems that the community want them to solve. And it's just about facilitating communications between the two groups, because like you said, you know, those are, those are the two most important groups in the space. Yeah, a good engineer definitely doesn't just build whatever they want to build. It's all about iteration and listening to what the users need. There can definitely be a healthy symbiosis. But overall, I think culturally, like, you know, in pop culture, a lot of people still think like, hey, I've got a startup idea. I got to go pay someone to build this for me. And it's like, <sighs> no. I think it's much better for a marketing person to find an idea that an engineer is already building that they like and try to help out. That's a great point. That's kind of was going to be my next question, which is because I we basically have two demographics on Steam, I would say. It's it's highly technical people, developers who are interested in the protocol, who are interested in the technical sides of the space, but we've also got all of these content creators who are struggling to figure out what to do, what kind of content to create. Is there any advice you could give to them about finding a project, how they can channel their skills of creating content and getting people excited about a story into working at an organization, at a startup, at a tech company, as somebody who does not have a technical background, but has now worked in two, at least two that I know of, highly technical organizations? Well, I'm, I'm actually being drawn by the Seamit cartoonist, uh, Janina. So, shouts out. Uh, I'm really excited to see the drawing. I'm, uh, I am using the services of the community. I think it's good to branch out to a lot of stuff. You know, not obviously, so our big project right now is we want to make uh, Everpedias for all of the Steemit influencers. We're featuring someone every day, like yours was featured, Janina's was featured. But it doesn't just stop there. Like... My, my tools of the trade, the way I built my uh, companies are uh, my, my centralized overlords. I'm obsessed with Facebook, Twitter, like now I'm getting into Telegram, but, but still, you know, Facebook and Twitter for me are like the alpha and the omega. That's really how I build 
build what I build. So you just got to be on everywhere and try to try to get your feelers out. Um, I check my messages on every platform. I, I always find it interesting when someone's like, yeah, I check my telegram and my DMS, but I don't have time to check messenger. And it's like, uh, if someone wants to communicate with me, I'm going to check everywhere to be able to respond to their communication. Cause like, that's all I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to get people to talk to me to get them, to get them into what I'm into. Yeah. And you were super responsive to my messages. So I, I know that you definitely practice what you preach. Well, you're a baller. So yeah, immediately. Cause, cause you know, we're always looking for like a steam it, steam it influencer of the day to feature on our Twitter. So I thought, I thought like, oh, Andrew, perfect. We did Janina's page and it like went viral. It got uh, uh, like 20, 30 retweets and she was trending on the site. So it was really exciting. Very cool. Is there, I mean, I, I'd definitely be curious to hear more personal details about like the stories behind how you got involved with with genius or how you got involved with everypedia like on a almost mundane level like you're not a technical person how what what were the calls what were the messaging who did you message uh and, and then how did that conversation evolve into you becoming a co-founder genius started out just as fun we weren't trying to even start a company uh tom who's the ceo was just, he, he worked, he was a software developer at a hedge fund, but he would always be building apps. He just wanted, he built a, the app he built before Genius was called bombsheets.com. It was basically like Casper for bed sheets. That probably could have been a billion dollar company too. You know what I mean? So, uh, but the one we picked to work on was, was uh, Genius and I was just doing it for fun. I thought it was uh, the, the lyrics I started putting on it at first weren't weren't like the things that go viral. Like what goes viral on the site is like Kanye West and Drake. But I started out by putting up Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. and like all of the rap that I grew up with. Um, and I didn't even think about making it into Wiki. Wiki. I thought I thought so. Uh, the way Tom and I were already friends. We'd been friends. We we went to college together and. Uh, the, the way that we became friends outside of college was that I had a blog. So he was like a fan of my blog and I would write like poetry and funny jokes and stuff like that. Uh, and we had some other friends who had blogs too. We were kind of like a writer's circle. So originally I thought Rap Genius was just going to be like, you know, my, my literary intellectual blogger friends uh, breaking down a literary analysis of hip hop. So I thought it was going to be a blog and like the, these blogs had started getting best-selling books. Like someone had made a blog called stuff white people like. So, I remember that. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make a book like stuff white people, stuff white people like and get on the New York times, you know, get a, get a story in the New York times culture section with that, with us. I never even knew what Y Combinator is. Uh, we started getting some traction. Uh, the, way, the way that we got traction, we didn't even know that lyrics is one of the most searched words on Google. Uh, it's, it's, at one point, it was the second most searched word on Google. So we just started getting a bunch of Google traffic for people searching lyrics. And we're like, wow, we're really on to something. And uh, Tom, when Tom applied to Y Combinator, he, he couldn't decide whether to apply with bomb sheets or with genius he was debating it until the night before but then he finally decided to apply with genius uh, we got rejected but then justin can wrote a blog post about how brilliant he thinks rap genius is so we applied again and we got it and with everpedia so with everpedia i was already like a famous guy so i had mucker capital uh who i'm working with now who was willing to fund uh, any project that i do for my second project and sam was a senior uh, at UCLA, I was giving a talk at UCLA, and he came and he showed me my Everpedia. And I had gotten my Wikipedia deleted. Wikipedia deletes like 90% of pages who people put up. So a fan of mine had made my Wikipedia and they had deleted it. So when I saw my Everpedia, I'm like, this is gonna be huge. I told him I'll, I'll get him funding. Uh, and again, uh, I mean, this one we kind of knew, but there's a lot, one of the most popular Google, Google, searched words is wiki people oh yeah all, i do that all the time 
people are always looking for Wikipedias for things that are not on Wikipedia. And then you have like these uh, shitty sites uh, who SEO optimize for the word wiki when they're not even wikis. Like uh, famousbirthdays.com is a perfect example. They try to make like fake wannabe Wikipedias for all the Vine stars and social media influencers. Crunchbase is another example. Like Crunchbase, it's really not, like, you know, no one's at editing. It's, it's like just basically a, a, a crappy Wikipedia for startups. And it just doesn't make sense. Like, why not have all of these just be in one giant Wikipedia so that you can rabbit hole? Like, you know, what, what everyone likes about Wikipedia is the rabbit hole. So now you go on a startup, it says like, oh, the startup's founder went to Harvard. And then you click on Harvard and it tells you the whole history oh. of Harvard University. Oh, that's like, that's like a hobby of mine. Like uh, the idea of a good night in is like a glass of wine and a Wikipedia rabbit hole, like yeah. World War II, you know, and, and then just bounce around in there. I can World do War II is my favorite Wikipedia article of all time. Like that's the one I go to the most. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm into World War II too. So I, I, I get it. I mean, you got Nazis, you got communists. What more do you need? No, well, because I, I wrote my senior essay on the Holocaust. So, like, I was a history major, and then World War II has always been my upset. It's, it's like, the most horrifying thing that's ever happened in history. So we have to study it. Right. I like to study the scary, horrifying stuff. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to make it not happen anymore. Apparently, people think that, like, I'm, I, I'm like, a troublemaker, but I'm actually trying to be a nice guy. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I totally get it. I'm of the exact same mind. I mean, I want to know more about Hitler. I want to understand what motivated characters like that, that drove them to do such unspeakable things. Like if we don't understand what caused these things, like you said, how are we going to prevent them from happening again? But there was a, a point that you made that I, I really wanted to highlight was the accidental nature of of how these things came about, especially especially uh, rap genius, how it wasn't like you planned every step of the way. It was more about, first of all, doing things that you guys were naturally interested in doing and you wanted to do. And then putting something out there, letting it interact with people. We call it A-B testing now, but it's not as formal as that. It's doing something you're passionate about and then seeing how the world reacts to it and then engaging with the community that organically develops around it. Like one of the, you know, and I feel like that's one of the things that's plaguing this space is that so many people are going, I'm going to design this protocol that's going to solve all of these problems and we're going to raise all of this money and we're going to spend five years building it and then we're going to release it and it's going to be perfect. And what we did was something really different. And I think that it wound up being the biggest strong suit is that we put out a protocol that could power a Reddit style site. We, we were like, we can't allow smart contracts on this because that's just going to delay the release. It's going to be an application specific blockchain. But then, you know, and so there's just the, there's only the smart contracts that you need posts, comments, upvotes, downvotes, and then the distribute the distribution of the token. And then they're like, okay, well, we really need to add follows and tags. Obviously, any site like this needs follows and tags. And so they're like, well, let's just add a custom JSON ops field. And that'll just be like our catch-all. And we'll just stick whatever code that we need in that. And the app will use it, but it's not technically being executed by the blockchain. It's not a smart contract. It's just code stored on the blockchain. And now custom JSON ops, like all these apps are using it. There's an app called Steam Monsters. There's an app called Drug Wars. Do you remember Drug Wars? Yeah, yeah. There's so I, a, I, know, I know the Steam community very, very well. That's oh, the wow. creation for the IQ community. Oh, cool. And what you design, uh, my, my, the, way, the way I, uh, so, so Tom at, at Rap Genius, his, his motto was worse is better. But my way of saying <laughs> it is quick and dirty. I like it when developers work quick and dirty. And that's how we are at Everpedia too. Everything is quick and dirty. I remember right when uh, people started to build consumer crypto apps, like, so Steemit was the underdog. And then the big Silicon Valley one was earn.com. And like, it was basically a perfect uh, parable for how to and how not to launch something. Steemit was exactly like you're saying. It was organic, quick and dirty, 
launch, get traction, iterate. Earn.com was like this centralized thing. Nobody was even using it. They just had a lot of money from Silicon Valley. So total like how not to do it. And that's why they, they completely crashed and burned. Uh, they had to get Aqua hired, whereas Steam is the, the first thriving uh, crypto community with traction. And for me, the only thing that matters is traction. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's something about me on to Steam. Uh, shouts out to Nick Tomaino. Nick Tomaino, uh, at the time he was at Coinbase and now he's got a hedge fund. And he was like, dude, you need to get on to Steam. You're going to be the all star of Steam. <laughs> Uh, we can make that happen for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I still, I'm so lazy. I need to, I need to start getting active. I've got an account, but I need to start getting active and, and, uh, I've never used any of the other dApps. Like, uh, I got a post onto DTube for sure. Cause that's the inspiration for what IQ is doing. IQ is trying to build other dApps for the token. Uh, we have in a couple months predict coming out, which is kind of like auger. So you can sure. bet in future events. And the one I'm really excited about is IQ&A. It's kind of going to be my own version of Quora. Because, you know, I, I, got a, I got kicked off of Quora about a year before launching Everpedia because I got into a fight with Jimmy Wales. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Quora was the only site that ever verified me. They gave me a check mark. And I used it to make a lot of trouble. But it was, it's cra it was crazy because I got into a fight with the the guy who pretends he started Wikipedia and then now I'm going to destroy. Interesting. There's plenty I'd love to explore there. I did want to mention that you should check out musing.io. Uh, it is a Quora competitor powered by steam. Nice. Nice. Okay. Then that's, that's, uh, that's the first one I got to go to because sure. I've always been obsessed with Q and a sites. I got into trouble on ask FM uh, uh, my friend Ranadu in Y Combinator uh, launched the video version of Quora called Whale. And I was like the superstar of Whale. And then they, they shut it down and I got so upset. Well, clearly you have no problem generating content. Totally. Hey, I, I, I try to preach quick and dirty for developers, but what I do is also quick and dirty. I'll, I'll say whatever. I'm not about like, editing and, and perfecting and things like that. I just yeah. like to keep freestyles. You know, I come from hip hop, so that's where I learned, that's where I learned the tricks of the trade. That is a really interesting insight because it's, it's something I've actually been trying to communicate to people for years in the Steam community. I think it ties back into how you can add value to an organization when you're not an engineer. If you want to, build up if you want to be the community person the content person the marketing person i think you have to understand this aspect of creating content creating marketing materials it's the quick and dirty i i always put it differently i would say uh put out bad content but it's, it's ah. the same message i would say put out bad if you think it's bad just, just put it out. Yeah, well, Mark Zuckerberg says it more bluntly than any of us. He, uh, his way of saying it is, fuck it, ship it. Fuck it, ship it. Yeah, probably not anymore. Probably not putting it like that anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah he shipped too much. He shipped too much. You know, Zuck, it's crazy because, like, I'm known as Zuck's worst enemy. And, like, he started beef with me in 2012, and I feel like I'm the one who caused his downfall. But I actually wanted to be his friend. The whole reason we got into a fight is because I tried to give him a Rap Genius shirt and he said he doesn't want it. And he's the whole reason I got into tech. Uh, I, like I'm saying, I was one of the first users of Facebook, like literally one of the first power users of Facebook. And then the movie that changed my life more than anything was The Social Network. I saw that. I, I took my mom to see that movie and I was like, I was in tears the whole time. It felt like uh, it was about one year into Rap Genius, and it felt like I was watching the Rap Genius movie. So that's what really made both me and Tom uh, dedicate our minds full-time to our app. What was, what was the commonality that you saw between Rap Genius and Facebook that made it resonate so much? Well, one thing that, uh, you know, Je Jesse Eisenberg, he delivers the line very artfully in The Social Network he keeps on saying your idea is not worth shit. It's kind of the thing we were talking about uh, when we started, when we started the podcast. 
because, you know, he's got the Winklevosses telling him, like, it was our idea to make it Harvard only. And he's like, well, I built it. And I'm on Zuck's side. Even, and if you look at the whole decentralization drama, it seems like Zuck is on our side. Zuck seems to, Zuck seems to understand that he's created a monster and that, you know, it needs to be destroyed. I, he, like, I think what he doesn't understand is that Facebook's not going to be able to adapt. Like, you know, J Joseph Schumpter in the 30s said creative destruction. And I think uh, Facebook is ripe for creative destruction. I, I hope, hopefully, Everpedia on IQ is going to be able to build the decentralized Facebook and get him out of there. Get him out, get him out uh, so he can go run for president or whatever he wants to do next. Well, I think that we can stage a two-pronged attack with Steam and Steamit.com coming at one side of Facebook and, and IQ and Everypedia coming at it from another side. And well, we with all of our alliance building, we've got uh, uh, Sam and the executive uh, over for you guys talking. So it's really exciting. I'm, I'm, I want to see it all, all come together. You know, I'm all about uh, the entire crypto community coming together and taking out these centralized behemoths. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I really like the point that you made about, about the ideas not being worth shit. Since I've started, I, I've, I've been at Steemit now for I think over two years, you know, time doesn't move right in the blockchain world. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the startup world generally. It's on hyperspace, it's on a 10x, 10x time. Blockchain, have you noticed a difference between blockchain and just regular tech? Well, you know, when we did Genius, we were kind of in the early days of the internet. We were the third batch of Y Combinator. Uh, and then it's funny, when we started doing, originally Everpedia was not crypto. For two years, we just wanted to build a bigger Wikipedia, a better Wikipedia. So I kind of knew all the lingo. Like I was able to tell them like what convertible notes are and pre-valuation, post-valuation. But then with like tokens and crypto and like the Cayman entity and the airdrop and all this stuff, we basically ended up doing for, for our larger rounds, uh, financing in ways that uh, are a case of first impression. No one's really ever done the, the techniques that we're doing. And then we're trying to basically build the new era we're trying to build uh you know genius was part of web 2.0 tech and everpedia is at the bleeding edge of web 3.0 do you think it's that that how far out on the edge you are kind of distorts how time seems to move in, in, in exactly exactly i mean now when i when i hear someone building a startup that's still for me is like from the olden days like someone's building uber for cats or whatever i'm like i'm like that's so two years ago you know, go build something, something cool. I know. I, I, I feel exactly the same way. And, but at the same time, I feel, and I did want to get back to this, the, the, the idea, your ideas and shit uh, thing that you touched on, because since I've been at this company, which feels like for 10 years, but it's really been two years, man, practically not a month goes by that somebody doesn't say, you know, we're going to release something like Steam It but we're gonna fix this part of it. We've got this idea and we're gonna fix it. And it's like, dude, that is not the hard part about what we do. Upgrading this thing, keeping it running, keeping it growing as it grows, adjusting the, it's the, it's the stuff you don't even see coming. So I'm glad you got this idea. And it's kind of the same thing where it's like, guys, that's two years ago. So many people are coming out with ideas that are oh i heard about blockchain so so those same people who are doing the uber of x are now doing you know the bitcoin of x the ethereum of x entrepreneurs there's always going to be a lot of fakers like even when when we were in y combinator with genius that was when like y combinator was all stars of tech and even then the vast majority of companies uh, in our batch materialized nothing um so, so it's tough. There's always going to be people out there who, uh, who that's, uh, that's also why a bear market is nice. Like what we're really excited about with the crypto bear market is hopefully all the fake stuff will go away and the stuff that's actually useful. 
Oh, also with crypto, you have so many things, especially during the whole ICO boom. You had so many things raising money before they had even a product, much less traction. And like, obviously my philosophy is you need to have a product and you need to have traction before you even start talking to investors. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's, it, it's clear that your experience in the space provides you with a unique edge within blockchain because there are so many people. I, I, like, to, I like to say that like, blockchain was engineer's way of tricking capital into giving them all their money. And they're not entrepreneurs, they're, they're engineers. And I love engineers. Um, but you know they have a very distinct mindset and they have very distinct interests and great for them that they managed to convince so many people to invest in so many projects that enable them to build whatever the heck they want. But at the same time, just because they can build it and just because people are investing capital in that doesn't mean that it's actually something any users want. And so it's like you said, it's no surprise to me that this bear market was necessary and it's been so long because there's so much uh, chaff to, you know, to, to weed out. It's helping us a lot because there are, other, there, there are talented people who are on other projects, but now everyone can consolidate. So hopefully we can do a lot more of this uh, alliance building. And who knows? So like a, another question is, is blockchain going to replace Silicon Valley or is there going to be a synthesis? Is there going to be some kind of harmonization between what we're building what already exists? And I always wonder about that. Like a lot of times I'm, I'm kind of hostile. Like I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be like the, the bad boy. So I, I have a lot of hostile hostility towards like Silicon Valley and the centralized internet. But I just came back from a trip for, from SF and I think they're starting to come around. Like I remember I, I went to YC Demo Day about a year ago. And whenever I would say the word blockchain, the entrepreneurs would like look at me like I'm saying a bad word. Like for them, blockchain just meant like scammers and fakers. Mm -hmm. And now it's starting to change. Now like, uh, for, for example, one of, one of the most talented engineers uh, who I was friends with in Y Combinator, Kevin Lacker, he was like an early engineer at Google and he, he started Parse, which got bought by Facebook. So he uh, messaged me that he's like now starting to work on blockchain develop, develop. So it really shows you that while you have like people like Bill Gates, who for whatever reason, he just doesn't see, doesn't see the big picture. You have some of the most talented Silicon engineers who are figuring out like, yo, this is the next big thing. This is what I want to build on. Yeah, so, absolutely. The well, big question is, will Facebook be destroyed or will Facebook somehow adapt to blockchain just like they stole all of Snapchat's stuff and destroyed Snapchat? Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with what you said before, that it's going to be really, really tough for them to adapt. I think that, you know, I think the positive side of what I said before, which was, which was a little mean to engineers who, again, I love working with engineers and I especially love the engineers that I work with. But the, I think the positive side is that blockchain really empowers. I think it really empowers the engineers. That's the other, that's the more silver lining way of looking at it is that it's much more empowering to engineers and community members. I think that's why I mean, maybe that's because of the decentralized aspect of it. I think also that because it's decentralized, it's very technical, you know, because no corporation is, depending on the scenario, there's no single corporation that's like, this is our job to make this thing. Instead, you need lots of great engineers all over the world doing highly technical work. Uh, and so it winds up being much more empowering to engineers and, and they become, it's, they're the easiest sell. You know, I basically been selling blockchain now for, for three, not no more like six years. And they've always been the easiest sell. Um, not because you get them the first time, but because it gets into their heads and, and there's something about the engineering mindset where it's like blockchain is this, it's this new frontier that enables whatever makes them great at what they do that abstract thinking it can it really 
frees them to think of new and exciting possibilities. And hey, I can fork one of these things in a day and raise a bunch of money. I think there's the dark side to that, which we kind of covered, which is that it means that anybody can was able to raise a hundred million dollars for an idea that nobody actually wanted to use. But the silver lining is that if you're a great engineer and you can find a great community person and a great marketing person who can fill out your team, there's unlimited potential here. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm someone who's against accredited investors and like the Securities and Exchange Commission, all these securities laws we have. You know, in, in law school, I always just got the impression that these just make rich people richer. But then ICOs kind of showed why people were afraid of re retail investors. Like you had all these retail investors who were like, I'm going to put my whole paycheck into this thing. And, but hopefully there can be a balance. Like one thing that I think is, uh, has a lot of potential is crowdfunding. Uh, before we even got into crypto stuff, Everpedia raised 150K on WeFunder as part of our angel round. And it was really fun. It was just a great way to pitch to people. I really liked the idea of people thinking, I've got a hundred bucks, I've got 200 bucks invested uh, in Everpedia. Even if I'm not gonna start making content, I'll at least share the content they have on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. So it helped us to build our community that way. Uh, doing the airdrop, you know, there haven't been that many uh, airdrops with VC funding. Like we, we got 30 million from Galaxy Digital and then airdropped 49% of our tokens to EOS holders. And I think more people have got to do this because it was a really, really great way to get a huge number of people holding IQ and kind of is, it's all right. We're still feeling the effects of people because they have the IQ from the airdrop coming to the site and starting to edit. I, I think you made a number of like critical points. I mean, I'll just start with the last one, the airdrops. It is so frustrating to me to see how many projects are out there starting something up. You can create these tokens out of thin air. Obviously, you can't back them with money made out of thin air. You guys got VC funding. But to me, the core point that you made is you're creating these digital points out of thin air. Give them to people. Those people will become passionate users and stakeholders in your protocol. Find good people. I think, and, and I guess now I, I, can, I can understand better why you're interested in the STEAM community is because you get, you get what powers thriving organizations. You get how important community is. And I agree 100% that getting these airdrops, uh, you know, giving people your token. I like to say that money does not have inherent value. Uh, what, and I, I always quiz people on this and it, it kind of always blows their mind. I'm like, what, what, what gives money value, right? And they're always like, well, it has to be a medium of exchange. It has to be stable. They give those standard like economic answers. And I'm like, no, what matters is who has it. Mm -hmm. Who has it? And what are they doing? And how are they adding value to, to the enterprise of which that, that money belongs? You know, If the US dollar was only held by four people who weren't doing anything with it, it wouldn't be useful for anything. But we have this really complicated system in place that you know, tries to allocate it to ventures that are building value. And what we're doing in blockchain, I mean, I believe is we're trying to improve that system. We're trying to distribute money in a more fair and like egalitarian and grassroots way, ground up way. Um, but, but at the end of the day, what matters is who has your token and what they're doing with it. And so many in the space want to, want to hoard. They think that the way to make their thing valuable is to hoard it. That's weird, right? That's, that's wrong, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's against the whole philosophy. That's one thing that made Steam huge is that I, I noticed right from the beginning, you can go on and easily get, get involved, get some Steam, start your post, because there's a lot of community sites. I mean, Reddit, it's harder to post on Reddit than it is on Steam. And then Steam, it's like, it's like way more high tech what you guys are doing. So I really like the community design. Everpedia is trying to be like 
one thing I repeat it has uh, right now, when we first uh, de decentralized, we started giving IQ tokens. We required you to plug in your wallet uh, in order to edit. And that made our editors drop because a lot of people just don't know how to plug in a wallet. So now we use our ID. So you sign up with Facebook and Twitter and then we keep track of your IQ until you're ready to plug in your wallet and, uh, and increase it directly. So uh, we're, trying to, we're trying to do, you know, Steemit is the model, but uh, what, what drove us to action is that we think that we can uh, iterate and improve, improve on the model. But we're trying to do the same thing with Steam is, is the inspiration for what uh, IQ is doing. Like there's DTube that gives Steam, so we're going to build Predict and IQ&A and hopefully all these social networks where the vision is if you're increasing knowledge on the internet, you're increasing your IQ. Yeah. And I think we discussed this on Twitter or I mentioned it to, to someone else on your team, but there's nothing stopping you guys from cross posting to steam. You know, yeah. steam is a client side thing. It just uses API. So you can back up your stuff on steam or just by hosting it there, you guys can earn steam and yeah. involve Steamians into what you're doing. And I, I just wanted to highlight one thing you brought up, uh, this issue, you know, it's this issue of giving people tokens for the value that they add to the ecosystem. And when we started, one of the biggest criticisms of the Steam blockchain was our inflation component and how money is constantly created every year. Now it's at around 8%. And that money fills a pool which is distributed solely by the users and if you guys don't have that component component in iq you should definitely consider it because it's this tiny amount of money but it's what makes the whole thing work because it ensures that if i like what you're doing i can give you this money and it doesn't come out of my pocket it comes out of all of our pockets and it's i'm glad to see that the ecosystem is kind of shifting away from this mindset of scarcity that it's all got to be you know no you know, you can only mine tokens, but in reality, uh, protocols like, like Bitcoin and Ethereum produce far more tokens on a yearly basis through mining uh, than, than Steam does. And all of that money, it just goes to miners. And people wonder why the protocol isn't getting better in any way. It's because there's no incentive. The incentive is just to compete with other miners to mine better. Whereas in Steam, because it's delegated proof of stake like, like EOS, there's really not much incentive to arms race. There's actually more of an incentive to develop more software. And you see that with Steam and you see it with EOS too, where the block producers are competing not to burn energy, but to produce software that other developers in the space can use to make their apps really great. Yeah, I mean, the inflation, that's the, the whole trick to the show is the inflation component, which obviously that's part of uh, the IQ system as well. And it kind, oh, of, yeah. it kind of mimics how startups work. Like in, in startups, you can't just be a community member and get it. You have to be a full-time employee. But then when you're a full-time employee, the equity that you get, they don't like take it from someone else. They just print out more shares, give you those shares, and then everyone gets diluted. So now we're with crypto, we're, we're finding a system to, to do that same kind of equity setup, but it doesn't have to be for full-time employees. It can be for anyone in the community. So to get the equity, you don't also have to like come to the office nine to five and get a W2 and, and get health insurance. It can just be, uh, it can be chill. And I, I think this is the future. So I think there's going to be huge, huge changes in the world. Like, Right now, all these people are driving for Uber. What if self-driving cars come and there's no more Uber? Like, I think robots are eventually going to take over, take over the world. And there's going to be a lot of people who will live on a combination of universal basic income and crypto economy. I, so I think that's like the quasi-socialist paradise we're moving into as robots do all of our real work. Well, I, I mean, I actually totally agree with your main points and that's one of the reasons why i feel like my work is so important is because the way i see it you're right that 
robots are going to take the vast majority of work and maybe the government will step in with a, with a UBI, but where's the rest of the money come from? And the only people who are experimenting with new ways of giving people money are us. And yeah. so it's like either this works and people get more money or it doesn't work. And then they're exactly where they would have been before and they have less. And that's why I think it has such legs. No, and, and also it's going to make you be able to, you, you can get IQ when you're in high school. For a lot of people working in high school is very tough, but this is going to make it easier. Uh, shouts out to Andrew Yang. You know, at first I was iffy right? about who I want to win the presidency, but now that he's like opened up as like a hardcore crypto fan. He has? I, I tweeted at him and I, I, I asked him a number of times what his stance was. What did he say? He's even said he wants to move welfare onto Bitcoin and stuff. So he's one of us. He's one of us. He's the man. I, at first I, I definitely went, like him. I've been publicly supporting him. So I definitely like him. And, and of course, now I know why. Yeah, William Legate, uh, my, my friend William Legate, brilliant designer. And he's also a major political influencer. So he's a big, big Yang person. And I told okay. him like, I'm still iffy. And he was like, he was like, dog, if Yang wins, Bitcoin's going to 10x. <laughs> Yang gang, 2020. <laughs> all right. Well, I really appreciate all the time you spent with me. Is there anything else you want to get in? Any effort you want to promote? Any message you want to send to anybody who might wind up watching this? It's a pleasure, Andrew. Please uh, just shouts out. Um, if anyone wants to hit me up, uh, ironically, the easiest way to hit me up, like I said, is the centralized overlords on Messenger and Twitter. But get involved. Let's get your page started. Uh, I'm going to get more involved in Steam it too. And let's, let's keep the, the family coming together. And also, I'm, I'm so excited for my uh, Steam it cartoon. So I'm going to be posting it as my, as my profile pic all over the place as soon as it's ready. Sounds great. I actually want to boost that message. We got to get out there on Facebook and Twitter and we got to spread the word on the platforms where people currently are about the platforms that we're all building that are going to be even better, right? Larry Sanger, uh, who's chief information at Ever officer at Everpedia, the, he's the co-founder of Wikipedia. Uh, he just quit Facebook and we got into a big fight over that because I'm always like, you got to know your enemy. You know, you got to go behind enemy lines. So, yes, I don't think anyone should quit Facebook. I think we should all be ardently using Facebook and just trying to make the changes that we think need to be made. Thanks so much for watching my interview with Mabode. But if you've got one more second, I'd love to tell you about Steemit.com's new paid advertising program. Steemit.com is the central hub for all things blockchain and cryptocurrency, which is why it gets 18 million unique page views a month. Best of all, it's entirely open source, so advertising not only benefits your bottom line, but it also helps us continue to release free software that's empowering people all over the world by monetizing their content through blockchain technology. That's why, unlike any other advertising platform, our users actually support our paid advertising program. To learn more about advertising on Steemit.com, email advertising at steemit.com.